Okay, so last week, just to um, overview a little bit, the point of last week that we learned was what is or, or, or the main difference that Judaism has to say and the Torah has to say regarding happiness. In English, the etymology of happiness is something that happens, mainly external things that cause the person or that make the person to be happy. And if those external things happen, they're in place. So then, as a result, there is happiness. But if not, so then I'm miserable until that happens. X, Y, Z happens, the person is miserable. In Judaism, the Torah, the etymology of the word besimcha, which means to be in a joyous state, is machshava. Same letters as we read, as we saw last week, that the same letters that form in Hebrew besimcha form, in, in, form the word machshava. Machshava is thought, and the main, the key lesson from last week is that happiness is not a result of external things that happen to us, rather is a result of having the mindset. If people have the right mindset, if you have the, whatever situation that someone might be, if the mindset is right, so then a person could be happy regardless of the, their situation, the financial situation, uh, socio, um, 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 in, in the society, sorry? Socioeconomic. Yeah, but it's financial. So, I mean, in society, if they're part of the elite or if they're not, if it, 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 in an economy, if they have wealthy or not, and in health, that those are things that someone who has um, the happiness, the, the core value of happiness from a Jewish perspective, uh, doesn't make a difference. Someone could be happy without it regardless. But we're going to learn this, where we're going to um, try to, to look into and to see what the Torah has to say this week regarding is, because at the end of the day, um, as nice and as profound that what we learned last week might be, to apply it at the end of the day, to actually be able to live with such perspective, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a gap. There's a gap between the ideal and there's a gap between reality. Now the question is, how do we, you know, how do we actually apply what we learned on how to be happy, we apply it in, uh, in our daily lives. So, what is the, what is the, you know, we're starting with a, with a, with a joke, and you know, it says that why you should always go in the path of, of in, the, in the path of good or in the path of righteous, what's the word? In the, in the, why you should always go in the good path? Because the evil path is jammed with traffic. So always take the good path. <laughs> we're gonna see this week is that so many things that, um, that at the end of the day, they bother or they, they trigger our happiness. And um, again, not again, but we're not going to tackle big things in life. This lesson is not about, you know, a divorce or, or a loss in family or major tragic events. It's rather the small things that, um, uh, that uh, disturbs a person from being happy. So the happy state of the human being, according to the Torah, is, as we mentioned last week, is created in God's image. He has, he has the, the, the best design ever because it's designed by God. And part of that design is being happy. You, know, you see babies, you see kids. We mentioned last week, kids are happy. Kids are naturally happy. But then they grow up, and then they, they start, they, and then life gets in the way. So we're going to start with text number one, which is going to go our, again around um, clockwise. So I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask Aneta to read text number one and 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 to figure out what is the takeaway from the from the lesson. 
It's not the large things that send a man to the madhouse. No, it's the continuing series of small tragedies that send a man to the madhouse. Not the death of his love, but a shoelace that snaps with no time left. The dread of life is that swarm of trivialities that can kill quicker than cancer and which are always there. License plates or taxes or expired driver's license or hiring or firing, doing it or having it done to you or roaches or flies or a broken hook on a screen or out of gas or too much gas, the sink stopped up, the landlord's drunk. Yeah, so what's the takeaway of this lesson? What's the takeaway of this poem? What's the, what do you think about this poem? That, you guys could jump in, but what we see from here is that sometimes in life, it's not, you know, as we've seen, the, as we've seen the, in, the, in the PowerPoint presentation, it's not about the major things in life that drive the person crazy, rather it's the small things, the traffic, the shoelace, the, the not having service, playing game delayed, all these things is that, um, that stops or prevents a person from being happy. Now the questions is, the questions are, do you find the central argument of this poem to be true? If yes, how would you explain this phenomenon? Anyone? Does it make sense what he's writing in the poem? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like the little things add up and almost feel like one big thing at the end of it. Okay. No, but then, like, one big thing happens, and it's like, well, people, like, that could definitely do it, you know? That's right, but this... Like, it's one thing too far, and then they just, like, you're over the edge. You're but, like, like, the big thing would, like, that's pretty easy to take deal. it over. Yeah. Right, so, so the big thing is, is it's not really a disc I mean, it's really obvious. A lot of the times, a lot of the battles that are now, we realize this past year, that the, the, the challenge of, of, of the corona was that it was an invisible... You know, no one had a, a, a tag that said he has COVID, doesn't have COVID. You didn't see the, the enemy. And it was the worst challenge, the worst battle, the worst uh, um, um, war to fight. So when there's big things happening, it's kind of obvious. Okay, you know, there was a tragedy. The guy's not happy. He's not happy. And X, Y, Z. But we're, we're seeing this lesson is specifically not, not those big, clear things. Rather, the things that everyone does. Everyone drives. Everyone ties the shoelaces. But for some reason... This prevents us, you know, just, just tricks us or, or trips us. So a lot sort. of these things like driving or taxes or, or like shoelaces, a lot of this stuff are things that are outside of our control. They're external. Sometimes a lot, of, a lot of the big things, the big things obviously cause a lot of pain and stress, but we, I think we feel some agency with them. We feel like we can make progress. We can get better. A lot of these little things are things that, that seem trivial, but they're outside of our control and they're external. and. Those, that that gets us wound up. The fact that we can't can't do anything about it. Yeah, we can't control the person, the, the person that, that that they're driving badly, or or these bugs, these roaches, or whatever. It's like you know. So that's the reason for the frustration. Basically. Like loss of control. We can't, we can't we can't we can't do anything about it. Like it's small, but it's outside of our control, and it, and it just overwhelms you. Right. So so just simply the fact. So regardless of the size. Right. What we're saying is the fact that it's. It's, you're not able to deal with that situation is out of your control. That itself already triggers uh, a, 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 yeah. or, or prevents you from experiencing uh, I'm being a happy person. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so learning exercise. Um, list three things. We're going to give one minute for this. List three recent experiences that trigger internal stress and describe the consequences of the stress. It's like the, the, it could be uh, stuck in traffic and the consequence was getting very imppatient or something like that yelling yeah but in America known 
Entonces ya. seconds okay we're gonna move on usually when people get impatient and when people are uh, um, stuck in traffic what is it that they say they say just be patient <laughs> that's if you cut them off or not I'm yeah. going to blurb that in there. The worst is I open my window and yell at them in Hebrew like my dad does, and they don't know what I'm saying. Well, I do it in Spanish. Okay. But I don't, I don't, like, I, like I, I don't usually have the window down unless, you know, Charles tries to stick his head up. But I yell in Spanish, and they know it. I know I've made eye contact, and you know I'm doing it. But you can't read my lips because it's a different language. <laughs> so either you, either you curse, or if you're younger, you don't curse, and your father says, be patient. Be patient. Yeah, that's like, apparently, any time a kid gets... Uh, Frustrated or whatever, it's you need to be patient. When you grow, you'll understand. I now, understand. maybe you didn't grow up yet. <laughs> Who knows? There was two Hasidim ones. One was 80 years old, and the other one was 90 years old. And they were, they were, you know, amongst the Hasidim, amongst the the people in in the synagogue in Shul, they were the most compatible to be study partner. So they were learning in 770 Brooklyn. They learned together, the 90 year old and the 80 year old. And uh, once they were learning something, and the 80-year-old wasn't able to understand. The 90-year-old told them, when you'll grow. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always, get a little older. there's always room for growth. Growth is not defined by, by, by age. I don't know. As I get older, I have to put my patience. It's a spirit. Um, so we're going we're gonna to read text number two. What's the lack of common sense. Okay, we're going to continue. Jeffrey. The common, it's when someone, the common, not having the common sense. Really let's keep, me. let's try to keep, to last week we had to like skip the, f the last few texts. I, I'd rather finish everything from the inside and then we could finish the wine and conversation. But let's, let's have the, the, let's go through the text first. Okay, so let's see what, okay, so two things. Number one, this course doesn't, uh, doesn't take place instead of any, even though we're going to speak about patient and a little bit of psychology and a little bit of a, you know, what the Torah has to say. This doesn't disclaimer. This doesn't uh, replace any uh, medical um, diagnosis. Not diagnosis, but if treatments. Thank you. Doesn't doesn't. Um, um, it's not instead. This is just to view the Torah's perspective. You know, if uh, the Torah's perspective, uh, if someone uh, got forbidden, you know, as a broken arm. That doesn't mean that he cannot learn the Torah perspective, but at the same time, the Torah says you have to go to the doctor. Did you say, you know? I'm not a healthcare professional, I cannot treat or diagnose patient. <laughs> okay, I'm not a nurse, but thank you. I so much at work, because I work in law, so I think they can tell me everything. And you're like, I cannot yeah. diagnose patient. Yeah, Jeffrey, first, first paragraph. First, yeah, the whole, the whole, the whole, whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Patience, defined as the propensity to wait calmly in the face of frustration, adversity, or suffering, is the character strength just beginning to receive substantial psychological inquiry. 
Initial evidence supports that interventions intending to increase patients also lead to increases in well-being. Though people tend to think of the outward manifestations of patients, calm and tolerant behavior, it also has an inward emotional aspect, serene inner states. Serene inner states. In fact, this inner component may be the defining feature of the virtue. Patience is not equivalent to delay of gratification because delay of gratification involves the choice of whether or not to wait for rewards. In contrast, patience does not always involve a choice of whether or not to wait. The only choice a person may, may make is deciding how to wait. It may be helpful to conceptualize patience as a character strength, where instead of seeking to change the situation, people exert control by changing themselves to fit the situation. Thus, patient people are not being passive, but are actively adapting to face their circumstances. Yeah, now go finish up with the question, following question. What mental exercises could be useful for building patience? So tell us, what, what do you understand from this, for this, from this paragraph? Taking a second to think. In other words, a patience is not just a fact of holding yourself back from any emotions. Like, wait online. You have to go back online and wait for everything to happen, but instead you're burning. That's not patience. The, the real patience is, or the most, a deeper ex, a meaning of patience is when instead of, instead of you trying to change the reality, you change yourself. You change your perspective, you change uh, your, your, your mental, your attitude towards that, and changing yourself, it's what takes away the stress. What take, takes away the, uh, there's a simple, there's a simple um, analogy, you know, in other words, we have, in other words, stress comes when we have a certain um, situation that should have unfolded, like me getting home in 10 minutes. But the reality is that it's taking 45. So this, this point over here is what expectations is, that I'm getting home in 10 minutes. And this point over here is reality. It's taking 45 minutes. So this distance is what causes stress in a person. When you think that the reality should be the way you pers your perspective is. Now, there's two ways. How do you take away the stress from this rubber band? One way is to change your expectations. Either we change the reality to come to expectations, but then you have to like, ask for the whole traffic to split like the sea. Mm -hmm. It would be more difficult. Or second is to change yourself and your reality to come together with expectation and remove all, te all tension that there is. And that's basically what this paragraph is saying, that those small things, sometimes it's about, we're going to see more in the text, but it's about changing, your, your, uh, changing yourself to be compatible with the reality and not trying to change the reality to be compatible with your, uh, with your thoughts or, or with your, what you imagine to be. We're going to see this from, yeah, we saw that text number two was from, uh, from, a from a psychology book, positive psychology, but this idea was way before um, positive psychology. And the beauty about this, uh, this uh, putting together this course is that we see that ancient uh, Torah wisdom is now being also recognized by, by science and psychology. So, um, Sasha, I'm going to ask you to read the text number three. We should clearly recognize that our travels to different places are not random, God forbid, but specifically directed by God. God's intention is that a particular person has a specific portion to rectify in a particular place, whether through Torah study and prayer or through eating, drinking, and sleeping for the sake of heaven, or through a, another means of serving God as the, God. As the Baal Shem Tov of Righteous Memory explains the verse, 
God establishes the steps of man, meaning God imparts the desire to a person to travel to a specific place. God's intention being that the person should engage in a particular divine service, thereby rectifying what this person must rectify. Therefore, when we come to a particular place, we must take this to heart and ask ourselves, why am I here? For what purpose did God bring me here? It is certainly not for naught. So this principle that we learned, we touched uh, last week, but this principle that the Baal Shem Tov said from the beginning, there's not such a thing as casual, casuality, something that's casual, that just, you know, it happened. There's not such a thing. Everything in the world, actually, this is the... There's a lot of, within Jewish philosophy, there's a lot of uh, opinions on how invested God is in the details of the world. Meaning, God created the world. Now, um, 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 a lot of people, many people who, who did idolatry, they believe that, okay, God created the world once, and then he you know, delivered it somewhere, somehow, and now there is other people taking care of it. So that's why they thought that we have to pray to the moon and the sun because now they are in charge, even though they recognize that God was the original creator. Now, that's not the Torah's view at all. But within the Torah view, we're not going to get into what is exactly the Torah view. That's another topic of discussion. But we believe the belief that the Torah, the Torah believes is that God is involved constantly in the world. He never left it to someone else. He's always in charge. Question is, how in charge is he? Is he in charge of, of, of where um, uh, Charlie Chaim walks in this room? Mm-hmm. Does he care about that? Is he in charge of the leaf when it falls, if it falls on, 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 on one side or falls on the other side? It's like how deep or how into details God is invested. So that there's a lot of, within Jewish philosophy, there's a lot of opinions, but we're gonna go straight into the Hasidic philosophy, which that's a revolutionary concept and a way of life. The Baal Shem Tov taught us that every single detail in the world, if the leaf falls on the one side or falls in the other side, it's part, it's orchestrated and is part of God's, of God's ultimate plan for the world. So the reasons for that, it's, it's, it's um, I'm not gonna get into that. It should be for another, another topic of discussion. What's the source of the Baal Shem Tov and the logic of it? It's mainly explained in Tanya. But the point is that having that awareness that everything that happens is for a reason, there's not just a thing as I landed on a job. You don't land on a job. You know, you are there for a purpose. Your flight didn't get redirect because of a reason. There's a, there's a precise reason why you are there. There's a story with Mrs. Um, Sharfstein, Mrs. Um, Hannah Sharfstein. She's, if you guys know Rabbi um, um, Shlomo Sharfstein mm-hmm. from Georgia Tech, so his great aunt, she is, she was, I don't know if she's still around, but she was a, a she was a shlucha. She was a, a part of the couple, the shliach and the shlucha, the rabbi and the rabbits who go together to, to open up a chabadas. And they went the, to the women's convention, to the Chabad women's conve- convention that took place in Detroit. Um, the convention started in the um, beginning of the week and was ending on Friday morning. You know, it, it, just imagine a Shabbos without the woman around. You know, it's just peanut butter and jelly for, <laughs> for Shabbos. Even. But the kids would be very upset. Yeah, kids would be very upset. I'm sure everything's pre-made. Oh, yeah, I mean, either or. But, but if, if the core of the house, ha- yeah, if the core of the house leaves, it's a different Shabbos. 
So they were about, about, they were about to be back for Shabbos. So they had scheduled Friday morning, a flight back, each one to their place. And uh, there was a blizzard and all the flights were grounded. So they wrote to the rabbi that, they wrote, send a, send a, a fax that they are stuck, the situation, and it's very frustrating, and they are stuck in, in, in Detroit. So the rabbi answered back, the way he typically answered, is that he didn't, he, he, what he did is someone um, sent a letter, and within the letter he showed the answer. Sometimes he like, when someone asks, should I buy or should I not buy? So the rabbi used to either circle buy or scratch, or scratch one. That was the way that he communicated back and forth. So the, the, he, got the, he got the letter, and he circled the word stuck with a question mark. And he gave it back to the, to the, to the secretary. So the secretary called uh, Mr. Schwarz and was like, the rabbi is asking um, what stuck, what is stuck? So she said, stuck, stuck means when you know, you're not allowed, you're not able to move on. And the secretary said, no, the rabbi knows English and he knows precisely what the word stuck means. But according to the Jewish teachings, there's not such a thing as being stuck. If you're there now at the airport in Detroit, it's because you're meant to be there. And if you're meant to be there, the question and the challenge for us is, okay, we need to find out why. So she said that right away, they started like, they, they got Shabbos candles and at the airport, they started asking everyone if they were Jewish. And, and you know, like full on time, they were all out to make sure that whatever purpose they were meant, were meant to happen for them, that they were the new, stayed at the airport, um, it happened. It was it was uh, accomplished. Um, I heard a story. I didn't read it, so I don't know how true it is. That years later, they met a woman who became so inspired and she became religious. But who knows? <laughs> Anyways, the point is that the rabbit there's not such a thing as being stuck. If you are there, there is there is a reason why you're there. So if you are at this job, there's a reason why you're at this job. If you are um, stuck in traffic, there's a reason why you're stuck in traffic. And having this awareness of having this perspective changes the whole, changes the whole, or it's easier to tap into uh, becoming mo more happy or taking away tension from our, from our lives. Yeah, as you see over here, we have the, the guy, instead of seeking to change the situation, people exert control by changing themselves. If his situation, yeah, we get annoyed because we think that happiness, that happenings of the world are meaningless and left to chance. Yeah, this is, yeah. Uh, God directs a person to the exact location necessary for the fulfillment of his or her mission. I think the beautiful thing about that previous um, thing about how um, you're meant, you're meant, you're, you are where you're meant to be is that in the moment we always ask ourselves, like, why am I actually here? Why did this happen to me? And we don't even take a step back and think like, oh, maybe there is something greater at work here that I actually have a purpose here. It's like in my experience with like when I was in the Peace Corps a couple years ago, they sent me home after two months because I had an allergic reaction. And, um, you know, they were like, we, you, we need to make sure you're safe and healthy and alive. So we're going to send you home. So you're, you're fine. And at the moment, I, at the time, I was like, why are they sending me home? I can't believe they're doing this to me. This is my dream job. I, I'm helping these kids learn how to read. Like, this is everything I wanted. This was my purpose. This is, I was supposed to be here for two years. Like, why are they sending me home after two months? And my dad, when I called him on the phone to tell him I was coming home, they were in just as much shock as I was. But then my dad told me, he said, you know, Neta, you know, Hashem always has a plan. We don't know in the moment why he sent you home. We don't know why you're meant to come back to Atlanta two months in instead of two years after. But there's a reason you're coming back. And then it's always you look back and you think, 
oh, now I see what I was able to accomplish since I came back. I wasn't, I was only meant to be there for two months. I was meant to impact the lives I did for the two months I did. And then, then I think about what would have happened if I stayed. I wouldn't have met any, met any of you. I wouldn't have made those connections. I would have, I wouldn't have, you know, done what I have done in my job right now or accomplished what I've accomplished. So it's always in the moment you're thinking like, why am I actually being taken out of this, removed from this? But then you look back and you're like, the beauty of it all is saying, oh, I did have a purpose for that specific reason. And then I wouldn't have accomplished what I did outside of that. So it's just really beautiful to think about it that way. That really, like my dad, my Abba said, he said, Hashem really has a plan and you don't know why in the moment, but later on you look back in hindsight and you're like, oh, there was a beauty to it all. There was a reason why I had to leave. Yeah. That's that. That is that. It's exactly what we're learning, and it's uh, yeah. it's beautiful when you, someone is able to actually see, you know, like uh, Steve Jobs. He he never acknowledged God, but he said that that he gave a speech, and he said at the end that all the all the dots align. Um, yeah, I yeah. chopped. I yeah, I, ch- I chopped uh, the. I really messed up the line, but it was like <laughs> looking behind or looking back, everything lines up. Yeah. yeah, Steve Jobs didn't know why he enrolled in calligraphy and, and then he ended up going to Pixar. But guess what? The iPhone, the beauty and the design of the iPhone is a result of him going to calligraphy school that he didn't know why he yeah. went there. So, you know, he was able to see it. And the beauty in our lives is when you're able to see it as well. But in the moment when you don't see it, you know, then is the challenge and, and, and the, the, the awareness that, okay, instead of me trying to change reality, I'll accept reality as it is and change myself to be compatible to reality and even open up for greater possibilities. There was, I don't know if it's exactly related, but there was this person um, who, uh, in the times of the, of the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, about in Russia, about 200 years ago, um, that 150 years ago, that he came and he was, he was a, a, a wagon driver. He had a horse, a buggy, and, and that was his uh, livelihood. And every year he came to the Rebbe and he asked for a blessing. And the rabbi gave him a blessing, but nothing happened. Um, and every time, uh, same thing. One year, he asked for a blessing, and two weeks later, the horse dies. So, so he's like, I asked for a blessing, the rabbi gives me a blessing, and guess what? My horse dies? Really? That's the result of a blessing? <laughs> he was so upset. A few weeks go by, you know, networking here, there, he meets this other person, a job opportunity comes up, a business comes up. A few weeks later, he, he really strikes gold, and he makes a lot, a lot of money. Comes back next next year as he did every year to visit his rabbi, and he said he told the rabbi exactly what happened. So rabbi told him, guess what? Every year I give you a blessing for you to be able to have to have money. Now in your mind, what does money mean? Money means instead of doing ten trips, I'm going to do fifteen trips this week, and then I'm going to have money. But when the rabbi gave the blessing, he was not even talking about a wagon and a, and a, and a horse anymore. But the person was still stuck with you know what what he thought that that the blessing that he was able to get. So he needed to have the horse die. The Rebbe kind of like, I don't know if he, I mean, <laughs> killed the horse. Pretty sure not killed the horse, but the blessing really became into effect. The horse died and he was forced to open up to greater, greater possibilities. We'll never really know though. We really know, correct. Horse. We're not going to know. I'm pretty sure the Rebbe didn't kill the horse. Just yeah, that no. the positive blessing was so strong that you know, that's what happened. The point is that a lot of times when we're frustrated, the horse is, 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 that, is what we need is to change our perspective. Okay, we're going to play a video. Instead of reading text for A and for B, we're going to play a video. And I want to know your thoughts after this. 
Porridge was a master teacher of Hasidus and Jewish mysticism. When Reb Hillel traveled, his student Reb Sholem Homaner would accompany him. One evening, they stopped at an inn and Reb Sholem began to pray the evening service. As part of the prayers, Hasidim often meditate deeply on the nature of God as well as undertake profound soul searching. Reb Sholem spent so long meditating and praying that by the time he completed, the sun had risen. So, Reb Sholem began the morning service. Later that day, the innkeeper came to pray the afternoon prayers and saw that Reb Sholem was still in the middle of the morning service. The innkeeper, who was a simple villager, exclaimed, What is it with this Jew? Yesterday he spent the whole night in prayer, and, and now he has prayed the whole day. I'm different. I can just say Shema Yisrael and, and be done with it. Obviously this man is a simpleton. Reb Shalom had completed his prayers and overheard this remark. His mentor, Reb Hillel, later commented, The words of the simple villager had more impact on Reb Shalom in terms of self-improvement than three years of me teaching him the deepest secrets of Jewish mysticism. Sorry for the subtitles. Rabbi Gershon Dov of Pahar was a chassid of the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Shalom Dovber of Lubavitch. One of the highlights in the life of a chassid is when he meets privately with his Rebbe to discuss his spiritual life and receive direction for improvement. After much preparation and soul-searching, Reb Gershon came to the town of Lubavitch for his long-anticipated private audience with the Rebbe. As he waited in the antechamber of the audience room, Reb Gershon stood lost in thought near the place where the Rebbe's family hung their overcoats. Mendel, the attendant, saw him lurking in the corner and, not knowing Reb Gershon, was suspicious that he intended to steal something. Mendel grabbed Reb Gershon and led him forcibly to the exit door. Instead of explaining himself to the attendant, Reb Gershon wept and exclaimed, I've been driven out of the Rebbe's antechamber. Evidently, I'm not ready for my private audience. Okay, thoughts? Okay. Anyone else? What questions do we have? Questions for discussion, page 56. Question number one, what would be the expected reaction from Reb Shalem to the innkeeper's words? Or just imagine yourself you were in that situation. What would you have answered back? Or if you would have answered back? We each do things differently. Meaning? For some people, Shema is good enough. And for some, some people, it's not, it's not good enough. Okay. Even though the reaction, the, the, when the guy, the innkeeper, he only knew how to read. And Reb Shalem, he, he not, not only knew how to read, but he knew how he was contemplating meditating. Right. And this simple person was laughing or mocking him, that he, not mocking, but saying he doesn't even know how to read. That's why it's taking so long. 
I don't know if that was clear from the. No, that. Okay, so the the story is that basically the oh, innkeeper. That's why I was like, okay, so the basically the, the story wasn't so clear, but the story is that the innkeeper, he was like not laughing, but he was like saying, "I'm able to get it through. I'm able to do. You know, you have to read Shemay Israel or whatever praise you have to say. I could read it. Mm-hmm. This other guy, he's taking too long. He's not able to figure it out how how to read the prayers." Is that what was happening? That was that was a story, yes. Okay. But what was happening is that he was. What was the end, though? Because was that just like a misunderstanding of like why he was there? Why didn't he just clarify why he was there? So you have what would be the clarification? Uh, I'm here to meet the guy, like the rabbi, like. Right. That would be that would be the expect. So that's for question number two. The expected response from Shalom Dov would be, "I'm I'm being preparing for this meeting for three years, and then I'm I'm, I'm constant I'm I'm concentrated making uh, auto examining myself before I go in to have a private audience with the Rebbe." And this guy is, thinks he's a he's a he's a he's a thief, you know. So the reaction now. So but he's just saying that because he thought that like that's like God's will that he wasn't supposed to see him so that so so that is that is you get into the point yes in other words story number one just to get it clear story number one was that the person was lost in meditation heard from someone else saying oh this guy doesn't know how to read mm-hmm. you know so your regular action would be I don't know how to read Are you kidding me I can know it by heart <laughs> I know everything all the all the explanations of the prayer and meditating in those explanations for the past 24 hours and you're saying oh, i don't know how to read you know that would be expected reaction or in the second story expected reaction would be i'm preparing for this for three years you think i'm going to be still in here mm-hmm. but these people lived with this idea it wasn't just uh, an idea that they thought about it was an idea that they had present in their yeah. life that everything that happens in the world is purposeful even when they heard an innkeeper saying a simple innkeeper saying this guy doesn't know how to pray he took it too hard. He was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe my purse is not good enough. Maybe I really need to reevaluate myself and examine myself. Well, he shouldn't mm-hmm. validate himself through that. But, yeah, you know what? Oh, but again, <laughs> if we have, if we think that everything, if we think that there is cas- uh, casualty, not casualties, there's casual, casualities in the world, so it would be correct. And it shouldn't. Like, it's not meant to be. But if we believe that everything that happens in the world is for a reason, so the fact that he heard that from even whoever he heard it from, it's also for a reason. Now, this idea to live in such a way, you know, I'm not going to say it's a popular belief nowadays. It took Hasidim years of, 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 of meditating and learning in order to be able to be sensitive to the idea that everything that happens in the world is for a purpose. And even an innkeeper is saying he's not, his prayer is not good enough. He took it to heart. He needs to be better at prayers. Or the other person... The, 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 the secretary taking him away from the antechamber, he took it to heart and he was like, if this happened to me, so it must be because the I'm not yet ready. This philosophy is self-contradictory. What if he had chosen to say something, then that would have been something that happened and then it would have been right. It doesn't, if, it doesn't make any sense. Right, so things like this. Question number three. Question number three. What are these uh, question number four, actually, better. I mean, what I do you think? say that's abuse. That's yeah. like <laughs> were they? Yeah, were they, I think they were accepting. Yeah. Or they were accepting, right? Yeah. yeah. That would be, that would be the, the, at least in our minds. Well, abuse, and if we def- redefine abuse, abuse happens when someone, when, when, the, when the victim has no choice. Physical abuse, mental abuse is that the person has no choice 
rather to be subjected to the atrocities of the abuser. Now, in this case, the any of the chassidim had a choice to not to take it to heart? They both, if they wanted to, they were able to answer back. I guess so it was not abuse, because they were in control. But the lesson here is, again, this is, this is lofty. This is not, you know, this is not common ideas. This is not um, um, common disciplines. It takes years of preparation to be able to be sensitive and to be able to um, have in mind that everything that happens in the world, every single detail is orchestrated. And even those details are also orchestrated. Sounds like it could get you in a lot of trouble though with this. How? Like, well, let's just say like you're at work and somebody says like you stole money and you didn't, and you're just like, oh well, this person is accusing me and I got fired because that's God's will, even though I didn't do anything. Well, again, part of the sense, part of the of the of the not beauty, but part of this uh, awareness is that everything has to be for a higher purpose. But you wouldn't you just clarify it and that's the higher purpose? Well, either you can, or you can even get better to yourself. Or even you could get even much better. Yes? Either you could take it to heart and take that criticism, constructive criticism, or you could deny the constructive criticism. Now, what would it be a greater height? What would be a greater position for them to take the constructive criticism or not to take it? Well, in general, what is a greater, to take or not take to take? The constructive, okay. but I don't think the second one was constructive. Yeah, I don't think that's constructive. I think that's a misunderstanding. Yeah. It's, of course, a misunderstanding. They don't believe him. It's, it's not really, you know. <laughs> of course, it's <laughs> yeah, a misunderstanding. There's, there's, there's no uh, such thing. Apparently, there's no such thing as misunderstanding. It's, it's, it's something purpose. that needed to be clarified, though. Oh, agreed, 100%. I understand. I don't know. Jeffrey, what are you saying? I don't believe I don't believe in this central, in the in the fun, in this idea from the beginning about things happening for a reason. I, I don't believe in it at all. I think you have so your own path. So. Well, there is this so, brings us to the free will conversation. Correct, which is and a that topic. that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. the point is that what you're saying is, I mean, not what you're saying, but if we're going to say that things happen casually, so then we get into really big into really big, uh, not questions only, but maybe maybe happiness is not in our hands. Or maybe it's nothing in our hands. Or who I am to be even important in society. Maybe maybe the fact that, you know, that my mother got pregnant is also a whatever. Accident. Accident. Happy accident. Cool. Who knows? That's, your, that's not the Jewish thought. That's not Jewish well, philosophy. Well, I, I, I know that. My point is, my point is that <laughs> we are, this, is, this gives a lot of, the good thing about this is that at least it starts conversation. This is not going to be this is not going to be the end result. You're not going to leave here, uh, you know, with all the answers. Maybe you're going to leave, leave this place a little bit happier. If that if we achieve that, that's going to be great. But at least we start conversations I go about to, it. I go to Baha'i groups like once or twice a week. Like I've been going to just like for years. So, so sorry to what? Baha'i groups. It's a religion. What is what is it about? It's, it's a religion. I'm not Baha'i, but I just go because I like good ideas anywhere I can find them. So it's like I know, so I'm just like yeah I, I'm yeah I'm I'm very so I'm open. I'm just like, you asked me specifically what my so I answered, but like but yeah I'm there's I think there's good ideas in lots of different traditions, including ones that I don't agree with told, totally. But I'm, I'm open and I'm, I want to listen and yeah. Right. It makes it makes. It's very good to be open, but at the end of the day, we have, there is two <laughs> things. There is two things. There is um, ideas that are, come from above, that we're giving in Sinai, and there are ideas that humans get to the conclusion. So there might be spectacular ideas, but they're not from Sinai. And that is 
basically what makes something Jewish or not. And if you are Jewish, so you have a Jewish message, like the Rebbe always said to people. You know, the Rebbe um, uh, said that you don't have to, if someone is born in, 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 in Virginia Highlands, Baha'i, what he said? Virginia Baha'i. 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 Like a, Baha'i. Is okay. Baha'i is a um, yeah, religion. It's uh-huh. a religion, but kind of not. Never heard of it. It's a religion. It's a religion. Okay, I'm, I'm unfamiliar. Okay, the point is that if someone is born in that religion, that's his, that's his path in life. Someone is born Jewish, he's, he has a different path in life. And there is a different, uh, uh, not only traditions, but different ideas and different uh, um, ways of life for him that he's meant to be, that he's meant to do. And, and that's why one of, the, one of the atrocities of intermarriage is when, when you mix purposes of people. You take someone who's, uh, who has one purpose in life and, and gets married with someone who has a lot, another purpose in life. That's then the, the kids, the purpose is also unclear. So that's one well, of the things. something you would discuss prior to marrying somebody. Is what you're that's, that's a different, yeah. That's, intermarriage is a whole different thing. <laughs> Let's, let's try to move on at least. We have two learning exercises, and the good thing about it is that, you know, I started a discussion at least. But that's the point, that's the point of, again, if the stories were, you didn't like the stories, scratch those stories. <laughs> let's stay with the point. The point is that everything that happens in the world. End, like, like, I don't think one of us understood what the purpose well, of I now understand okay, now, now I, I get it. With it. Can I make one comment off sure. this thing? I think, what you're saying, like I understand what you're saying. There are misunderstandings where you shouldn't just accept the situation because it's God's will. You have to do something about it. But I think so. Like if you're wrongly accused of something, for example, like yes, do something about it. Don't just accept it and take it. But with the understanding that this happened to you because for a reason and because it was God's will. You can plan, still right? fight and say, you know, I don't think this is right. Yeah. But at the same time. Okay, maybe there's a reason why I was accused of this. It made me be more introspective. Right, whatever. How my Just actions come across. Or there's something, but... Their... Well, also, the first one is, would be, like, clarifying, like, a boastful way. Like, oh, I know this. Like, you're stupid because you don't even understand that I know it so well that I have to sit here for, like, seven hours. Like, I understand why you shouldn't do that. That, that makes sense. But the second one just... Oh. Yeah. I mean, you can also look at the guy did, never <laughs> had the opportunities that he did to be able to study like that for three years. Not everyone's that fortunate, so that's true. Okay, so you don't take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes the point is that they both, they, what you're saying is correct. The the thing, the the common denominator of both stories is that the the point or the reaction is because of the same philosophy that everything that happens in the world is for a reason, and that they they chose this specific people. They chose to take it to heart as constructive criticism. That doesn't mean that if you're accused of something that's wrong and and you lose your career, you know, it's it's it's. The challenge is for us to decide, but I don't think that's the, the right idea would be to say, or not to say anything. Yeah. yeah. Okay, moving on. We have, um, okay, there's two learning exercises. We're going to, okay, so the first thing, and where are we now? Okay, we're on page 57. In the, in the, in the, um, cover of the of the lesson you'll see that there is it says three things dealing with patience mindfulness and hope yeah that's the cover of the of the book says patience mindfulness and hope we just covered patience that how do you redefine patience is that basically everything that happens in the in the world is for a reason so that's why if this situation is xyz now it's it's is there a reason why is xyz now we're going to see the second that is mindfulness 
Um, learning exercise 3A. Let's try to do it fast. How happy are you right now? Okay, moving along. Page 58. Now, think of the things you need to do tomorrow and try to include everything. Don't write it down. Let's just think. And let's go ahead and continue with and now rate your happiness hmm. again. I thought of work and immediately said, <laughs> What happened? <laughs> what happened to the happiness? Now rate your happiness again. Oh, negative five. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. What happened is that we have, we get overwhelmed. It's just life. You know, we have to do this and that and, 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 and all the things, all the tasks need to happen. It just gets overwhelming. That's too much. And that is already a reason for stress and a reason that um, and, um, distracts our happiness or or distracts our ability to be a happy and to live happily so question or or we're going to try to um, see or we're not going to have the answer but for sure that we're going to have the starting point for conversation is what judaism has to say about um, this type of stress so we're going to see an idea the idea is pnimi now in hebrew what is uh, panim or what is a uh, that space or what does a uh, um, uh, what does uh, another word I'm looking for? Uh, penima. What does penima mean? Lech penima. Or lech lifnim. It's like to go inward. Right, inside, inward. Those are the words for um, inward. And there is a title. There is a two, this is not in the book, this is two, um, not titles, two um, concepts in Hasidic philosophy. One is to be a pnimi, which means someone who's inward, and someone is to be a chitzon. Chitzon is chitzon. Outside. The outside, right. In other words, people who live present lives, that's someone who's a pnimi. Then you have people who have, they're not present. They're just distracted and all over. That's a chitzon. And that once used to be an insult. You know, when, when one chassi, when one chassi said to the other, you're a chitzon, that was like the biggest insult that you could have able to give someone when you're not a real person authentic to who you are. Okay, Never, um, this idea of being a pnimi is what or how Hasidic philosophy or how uh, Jewish teachings um, helps us to deal with, uh, with overwhelming stress when we have a lot of things in our plate. Um, Mina, you read? Okay, Mina, read page 59. Lesson, yeah, 59, text 5. There's a concept called success in time. What does this mean? We cannot add actual time to the length of the day or night, but within the unalterable uh, constraints of time, we can make the fullest use of it and utilize it to the maximum. In order to do so, we need to adapt the habit when, that when we engage in a particular activity, nothing else exists. Anything that is pertinent to the matter now at hand, whether it is something that we have, done, have previously done or that we need to do later, should be considered as if it does not exist. All we have is the present moment. But because this moment, brief as it is, will be free of all irre irrelevant thoughts and matters about the past or the future, we will have the ability to fully utilize that moment. This is success in time. Yeah, so that is um, one of the ways to tackle the stress of being overwhelmed. When you're overwhelmed, is because you're all over. All the tasks, you have the browser with all the tabs open. Mm. You know what that does? Overloads the system. Mm. Just the computer's gonna be slow. Every day. Every day, right, you know? <laughs> so imagine just waking up and opening all the tabs after this, after this, after this, and having the, all the tabs open at the same time. Just overloads you. One way how to deal with it is being the idea of apnimi. 
is being to be present wherever you are, you are totally there. If you're learning, you're learning now. If you're eating, you're eating now. And if you're doing something else, you're, you're present in the moment. And, and, and too, many it, too many tabs open, it's not, it's not, that, that's, that causes stress. Right but now. the question is, this, this should be only, meaning this should be, not should be, but question 60, question for discussion. Why is this important from a religious point of view to be fully engaged in the moment? Why do you need a rabbi or why do you need a, a Jewish philosophy, a Jewish, uh, the Torah to be speaking about this? If you just ask any psychologist or any life coach, We'll tell you the same thing. You know what? Don't have uh, all the tabs open at once. Just uh, make sure to have to be present fully wherever you are. Yeah, it shows you're present. It shows you're centered. It shows that what you're doing in that moment has a purpose and is serving something. It's not like it's like even the little mundane things. Like if I'm sitting down to eat a sandwich, it's like you know the finding the the purpose in what you're doing like the sandwich isn't just some bread and some stuff inside it's nourishment it's fueling your mind it's fueling your body it's giving you the energy to fulfill your purpose further so even finding those little moments and um being fully engaged in it so you know i think even like you know when you're eating a meal it's like taking that step back i think sometimes we forget where our food comes from and the 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 bounty of the earth and what it provides us and the work that went into providing that food so even those little things all have a purpose to show us later on 100 percent, but 100 percent. everything that's called um when you do everything you do is in in god's sake that everything all your actions are are godly actions you know if th this concept could only exist if the actions or the situation that i'm in it has a purpose and it has a meaning. Because if it has a purpose, then it requires our attention, our care, our... our to be fully to, present. To be deliberate. Correct. In our, in our yeah. If we're going to say that, you know, world is whatever, there's... Things happen. So maybe it's wrong. Maybe, maybe you don't have to be there. Maybe, maybe, maybe you should totally... I mean, this, is, of course, is within the parameters of what the Torah says that you're allowed to do. If it's something that the Torah says you're not allowed to do, so it's clear, crystal clear, that's, that's something that you shouldn't be doing. But within things that you're allowed to do, you're allowed to do business, you're allowed to network, you're allowed to go sport. Now, are those things also something that, you know, uh, I should be fully present? Or maybe when I do sport, I shouldn't be fully present. Maybe when I go to the gym, I shouldn't be fully present at the gym. Well, the Jewish perspective is no. Everything you do has a purpose. So if you're at the gym now, of course you're at the gym, not just to have a, you know, a better physique, but to, to be healthy, to be able to accomplish a purpose. Because if not, we're going to the, to the gym in the first place. I mean, there's an there's a underlying foundation that if you don't have um, the, the, and this is where it boils down to, that if you don't have this belief that everything is a purpose, so then you don't have really grounds. You could ask what are you doing and, and you get to nothing. Now, if you believe that there is a purpose underlying everything we do, so there is a reason why to be present. And there, you, we need to have a Jewish, a Torah view on, on, on this aspect and not, not only a, a, a coach, a life coach. Because life coach, it might have a great advice, but his foundation or his source might be only empirical data about results of someone who behaves that way. But why someone should behave that way and should have those results? Well, unless you believe that everything is purpose, as you said, Jeffrey, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. But this idea of being panemia, being fully present, is what actually um, helps us to deal with all the tabs open. So in other words, don't have all the tabs open. Make sure that you know the order of the tabs and the order of the tasks they need to do, have one tab open, done with that tab, close it. 
And there's a stu- there was a study recently that, uh, not recently, this is already years ago, um, but basically the damage of phones and technology, even though technology is, it's transformed the world for good, and it's 100% a better world nowadays with technology, but it has downsides and it has challenges. One of the challenges that it has is that it take, took, took away this ability of being present. Mm-hmm. Took away this ability of wherever you are, you're fully there. Because wherever you are, if you have a phone, it could be everywhere. So this ability of this mindset of being able to be present at what we do, for people our age, that we grew up having phones and technology, it's much harder to, to, to adapt because we're so used to having, even though we're not doing anything, we're used to having access to anything in the world. I want to know the news in, I don't know, Europe, right away. I can know any, anything, any topic, any idea, any software that I want to connect, any idea that I want to connect to, I have the ability to do so. So the, 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 this discipline of being inward, of being pnimi, of being present, even when we are present, we're still not present because we have a phone nearby that we technically could be anywhere else. Just imagine taking away your phone. You know, take away your phone for whatever, one day, one hour. Even though you don't have to do anything, that already, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it tickles you. It tickles you down there. It's like, okay, I need to at least have my phone near me. But I know no one's texting, nothing's happening. But, you know, the, sometimes you realize of, of, the, of, of, of something when, when you don't have it. It's like so, my, my parents tell me stories of when they grew up in Israel and, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, when they were kids, my grandparents would take my, my parents to the park or wherever and they'd hop on the bus. And, and they always told me how, you know, when, when the topic of technology comes up, it's like they used to ride the bus um, and, you know, everyone's chit-chatting on the, on the bus and everyone's talking. Someone's fighting with someone. Someone's talking to someone. Someone's engaging cursing. in some conversation. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and then you like look now, it's like you're on the bus and everyone's just sitting there silent. They're just with their headphones. They're listening to their music. They're not talking to anyone. It's like they have blinders on. They're like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to engage with you in anything. Versus, you know, in the old days, you would see people reading a book and you talk with them. Or you see someone looking at the newspaper and you talk about a story. Or, you know, you talk, you know, you hear people talking and now it's all just very, everyone's to themselves. Yeah, it's, that's the downside of technology and being aware of it is the first step to, to take action. You know, that's besides what psych- psychologists are now struggling with, with uh, just human interaction. You know, Facebook is investing in the, in the metaverse. <laughs> just, just imagine if, you know, if that actually takes off and his society turns into a metaverse. It's going to. Not especially it, with, with COVID I, 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 everything I, online, absolutely. I'm, I'm fully confident that it's gonna have a lot of good things but human-to-human interaction, specifically now after COVID, mm-hmm. the Torah says, and, and, and maybe this might be, in my opinion, this is the only reason why this is still something. This is still something that you know, um, people are, um, it's still bothering people. The Torah says, Lo tov adam levado. Mm-hmm. It's not good for a person to be alone. That's why you should get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, a dog could never be ezer. Dog can never be. Don't, don't, we don't, we're not going down that road. Mm. Look, it, I'm, I'm not going down that road. I'm not going. <laughs> but what I'm saying Actually, is the way the way that a, another the other half of your soul compliments you. It's not going to be the same way as a dog. 
compliments you or helps you out. Session? What? Your soulmate, our next session. Soulmate, we could, we should. Everyone needs their chadicha. We can, we can, we should. I mean, we, we, we're going to do a, 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 again, a, a survey for what's the next, uh, for the next month. Um, so many questions. But, but yes, the point is that there is a soulmate and there is, uh, it's not, the nature of a person is not to be, uh, not to be alone. It's not good for a person to be alone. So can we do the next class uh, as we get into the holidays of the single people being sad and alone? We can do a talk about love. Why holiday of people being sad and alone? In the winter, everyone's just you know it's the holiday. Oh come on! But if you come to Chabad Inton and YGP, no, it's so true. much fun. No, it's cold outside. You want your you know snuggle I'll with your. With you Thank you. <laughs> no, but I think it'd be really interesting to learn about love and Judaism and I do the have one I, of soulmates and everything. Do you believe everyone only has one soulmate? So that's uh, it's more of a if it has one or multiple. So the Zohar, not the Zohar, whatever. It's written that I don't know where, but it's written that people have multiple soulmates. And I think it also means like it could be like whether your best friend is, I believe, is also a soulmate of some sort. Like, but it's never going to be a soulmate. Soulmate is. Is something have that's, the soulmate to you is only romantic partner? Well, we have to redefine what romantic means. What does romantic mean to you? Because well, I think we're gonna get. I think we're gonna get deviated from the topic, so I'm just gonna yeah. stay on topic for this class. But <laughs> it is for sure a topic on a class that we shouldn't be having. What is uh, what is uh, relationship according to Judaism? What does Judaism have to add in relationship? What to be? In, what to marry in the first place? No. Right. Marriage, the, the rate of successful marriage, there is 70% divorce. It's like going to a business study, 70% uh, exactly. is going to fail. Why married with that kind of divorce rate? My point is, my point is, well, so many things in life are not cheap, but are still worth. Okay, let's keep on moving. Let's keep on moving. Let's keep on moving. This should be, okay, we finished the second part or the second um um, uh, um, idea that Judaism has to give for the stress of being, um, of, of, of having a lot of things in your plate, of having a lot of um, tasks to, to, to do, and that is being present. Being present at the time gives you the ability to focus and not to be overwhelmed by everything throughout the whole day. Okay, now we're gonna, tie, uh, we're gonna um, have uh, the third idea that is um, mindfulness and hope. And we're going to see what Jerusalem has to say about it. Okay, page 60. Um, Seth, you could read it in English or in Hebrew, whatever you're comfortable. Page 60, um, text 6a. A worry in a person's heart cast it away. Question for discussion. Yeah, what's the question? How do you understand this proverb? What does it mean? This is what the, where is this? It's in Proverbs. Okay. I think it's in the mission. It says, uh, Worry in a person's heart, cast it away. Well, how, how would you cast it away? How would you imagine this happening? Yeah. What? Like you just forget about it, just ignore um, it. Just ignore it, okay. No, I'm not totally sure. Is, is, um, I, I just, uh, I, I, I guess, is the idea that it's in our, in our, our choice? Is that the, that it's our choice that we can cast it away? I don't, I'm not sure. So, it ha- so the Torah is saying, I mean, if the Torah is saying, cast it away, so is that the point? That it's That's the point to cast away. Now the question is, okay. what does it mean to cast away? Uh, like, except that you can't control or predict the future. That's casting it away. So basically, what you're saying is you're Accepting well, you're making peace you're, with it. So in a way, that is casting it away. Because when I hear cast away, it's like put it away. 
ignore it, whatever regard, when I think it's, it's not addressing the problem when I hear cast away. So. Okay. Or gain some distance from the worry itself. Observe the thought. Don't be so, don't be so overwhelmed and overwhelmed by it and taken over by it, but try to externalize it and, yeah, and, and, like, and look at it and you'll gain some peace by, in, by intellectually distancing yourself from the worry itself. Well, you're saying, what you're saying is, is pretty on point to what the sages said, so. Therefore, um, you are a sage. <laughs> therefore, therefore, you mean that, you know, he has therefore. a lot of potential. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been just one of them, the one of, one of the sages. Okay, text 6b, um, Olya. Rebbe Ami and Rebbe Asi interpreted this verse. One said, cast it away from the mind. The other said, speak about it with others. Mm. Yeah. Is either cast it away, like cast it away from the mind, ignore it. Like, to me, to me, yeah, to me, it seems like internal versus external. It's like bring in other people for their insight or their perspectives or just deal with it yourself. Right. So now we're going to analyze. True. Now we're going to analyze. So a few things. In Hebrew, we see it again. These two opinions... They don't come from, uh, from just uh, uh, personal opinions, but rather this source in the words itself. The Torah says, Now, Hebrew letters, as we mentioned last week, don't have vowels. So that opens up possibility for deeper understanding. Because once you have vowels, it's pretty defined, the meaning of the words. But if you don't have vowels, you're able to have deeper meaning in the word itself, because the vowels could change or could read it differently. And that's what these two sages are doing. They're basically reading without vowels and each one is reading in a different way. It's not just a, not just a way of reading, but it's a way of understanding an idea. There so, are literally different words that would fit No, the same so as you see over here, we have the same exact letters and one means cast it away with the vowels on the right sheen. Yeah, you see there's second letter. One is Yashchena, that means cast it away, and the other one is Yesichena, like a Sicha. Wait, I don't see any difference. Wow, I didn't no, know. Dot. So one yeah. she has. Oh, the red. One right, is the silent, left, and one is the E. Gotcha. And one has top right and a Nasego, and a Sheva. But the point is that one reads Yashchena, which means to cast it away, and the other one reads Yesichena, which means to talk it over. So one opinion is, no, you have to, as, as Gabi said, you have to ignore it. No, just, just ignore it. And the other opinion is, no, you have to talk it over. Now, we're going to start talking about the second opinion we're going we're gonna to analyze. So the second opinion is to talk it over, right? What are the benefits when you talk it over, when you talk over a, a worry that you have? Getting different perspectives. Yeah, but that's number one. Know. The friend may provide advice that will solve the problem, meaning being a different perspective. Like Sometimes saying it out loud yeah. makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we right away we see what are the three, you know, three of the main or, or the easiest ben, um, benefits of speaking it over. Talking over an issue, you have the friend might provide advice that will solve the problem. Two, speaking about the issue provides more clarity for yourself. Just as you, when you talk over something, you have more clarity. And three is the bonding with another person itself mitigate distress. So that's why if you're worried. Number one, you talk about it, already guaranteed you're going to have, a, a, you're gonna have a benefits. Now, the sec question is, what about the second one? Second one is, 
Stop thinking and speaking about the worry. Okay, so we're going to continue. Text 7. Oh, yeah. I'm going to read text 7, page 61. I'm responding to your letter in which you write about your fears, though they are very much unwar unwarranted. You have been granted the choice and authority to think, speak, and act according to what you consci consciously desire. Even if you experience the emotion of fear, uh, you are able to remove your thoughts, speech, and actions from that emotion. The essential thing is not to think or speak about this fear at all. Immediately upon not thinking about it, the fear will automatically dis dissipate. At the very least, the fear will become dormant and will not be felt in your body. And over the course of a few days, it will completely dissipate to the point that it will not come up in your mind at all. The reason that removal of the thought uh, nullifies the fear is because all emotions are sustained by the mind through the medium of thought. Therefore, by removing the thought, the mind is disconnected from the emotion and the emotion is no longer aroused. Yes, the tiny explains elaborately how all our feelings are mothered by our brain and the, and, the, and the thinking. And if we have the correct thinking, we have better feelings, better emotions. If we don't have the correct thinking, our emotions are a result of that thinking. Now, the Tzimach Tzedek was saying to this person who, uh, who wrote to him that he was very worried, he wrote to him, well, guess what? This caught the stream of weariness. If you start being so... Uh, worried, you go, if you stop thinking in such, such a worried way, you're not going to feel worried and, and, and anxious anymore. There's a story of a person, of, of a student of the, of, the, of the Magid, Hasidic master, that told him the same thing, that he's, uh, he has a lot of uh, negative thoughts. I don't know, it doesn't say exactly what was the negative thoughts, but it's a lot of negative thoughts. So the Magid told him, you need to go to that neighboring city and see this other Hasidic master. So he went. And he got there like in the evening, he starts knocking the door, no one answers. Knocks the door, knocks the door, knocks the door, no one answers. Gets the night, no one answers, doesn't know anyone. He, whatever, he goes somewhere else and then he comes back the next morning, he knocks the door and, um, and the, 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 this Hasidic master opens the door and he says like, yeah, come in. He greets him well and, 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 and the, this person asks him, I, I don't get it. Last night I knocked the door, no one opened me. Now you're like inviting me in and everything. And he said, well, I'm the owner of this house, and I decide who I allow in and who I don't allow in. And he got it. Right away, he got it. He got it. That the message that the, that the Magid wanted to tell him, that basically you are the owner of your own mind. The person has the ability to be in control of your mind by his nature. By nature, we have that ability to control our mind. Now, we also have the control. We have to have the ability to control what thoughts we allow in and what thoughts we're not allowed. We, we don't allow in. And that's exactly what the Smech was telling this person. Now, um, Gabi, we're going to do exercise with you. White polar beers. Mm -hmm. Yeah? White, White polar, polar beers. beers. Now, tell me um, your stream of thought without thinking about white polar beers. I wasn't even telling you my stream of thought. Well, whatever you're thinking, without, sh you shouldn't be thinking about white polar beers. Well, that's just not nice. Okay. Um, there's a lot of artwork in this room, and... Okay, I'm not going to go, I'm make you go through everything. The point is that there was a psychologist who made this experiment, and no one was able to go, no one was able to have a, 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 a stream of thoughts without thinking about polar beers at least once every minute.
After he just said it? After he said, don't think about polar bears. Oh, what are you thinking about? thinking about? Polar bears. Polar bears, <laughs> right? Why? What, what, so cute. Right, <laughs> you're so cute. But <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't thinking about that two minutes ago. No. You started thinking about it when I said, don't think about polar bears. Right. Suddenly you were starting. So the question is, okay, well, what Semach Tzedek is saying sounds great. You know, don't think about negative uh, things. I have really bad what are you thinking about? So negative about, thoughts. I love baby heart seals. <laughs> 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 I was thinking about those. <laughs> That's correct. That the nature of the mind <laughs> to react. Not only to react, but to be constantly active. They're so cute. So <laughs> heart seals. So if you say to something, don't uh, don't think about uh, white polar bears. That's the last thing that the mind takes. And as we're going to see the next text, unless I fill my mind with different thoughts, mm -hmm. the mind is going to keep thinking about it. People say when you're depressed, go do things. Go spend time with people. Go. When you're waiting so for you back from a think. job. Well, that, that would be the best. Me. Yes. <laughs> because you, you fill your mind right. with po positive right. things. Well, doing, doing is actually even more powerful because the impact is not, it's not something only in your mind. When you actually do it, that's the, that's the whole point of doing a mitzvah. A lot of people say, I'm Jewish at my heart. Mm -hmm. But being Jewish at your heart doesn't fulfill your purpose. You know, you have to put and fill in. You should, the point is that God needs you or needs a person for a purpose in this world. And that person is to accomplish that purpose. So if someone uh, might meditate and be very spiritually or you know, spiritually, very um, um, mentally connected, but he actually doesn't do what he needs to get done. So he's failing. But someone who does what he needs to get done, not necessarily has the deepest understanding in what he's doing, he's succeeding. And that, so what is, my point is that when it comes to action, it has even a deeper meaning why people say, go do something, uh, when someone is oppressed, go do something good for the other person and not only have good thoughts. Mm -hmm. that, that it's, it might help, but it's harder. Mm -hmm. It's way better when you actually go do something, the impact is much greater. Okay, we're gonna read text nine. Um, You're gonna have to read. Oh, wait, no, never mind. Everything is in every, This is accessible to everyone. Um, uh, Josh, you want to read text nine? Sure. The primary method of removing. Did I? Okay, we're going to go just back. Kidding, I'm joking. <laughs> we did the exercise, but we're going to go back. I don't even like reading. That was a joke. <laughs> the primary method of removing negative thoughts from your mind is by directing your mind toward other matters. This might be even worldly matters. If they are necessary and make you happy, for God's Torah, which delights the heart, by, established, by establishing fixed times, for daily study of Torah, particularly with a study partner. Yeah, so the, that was what I saying, that as much as someone might want to ignore the negative thoughts, if he doesn't fill that brain space with something else, so then, then those negative thoughts are going to keep on coming back. And what's the best? There's not, nothing better than fill your brain with Torah, because Torah at the end of the day illuminates a person and the Torah, nature of the Torah is to make you happy. So specifically having set times to learn Torah and to keep your brain busy, that would be a good or a best or better way of how to cast away the negative thoughts, not only to ignoring yeah, them. So you, you, can't, you can't focus on doing something and not doing something because your brain has to be occupied by something. So if, you, if you're focusing on not doing, not thinking about polar bears, well, mm -hmm. okay, what, 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 what can I think about? Well, there's polar bears, so I'll think about Or you're going to go, or yeah. you're going to spiral 100%. like someone with ADD and get to other things mm -hmm. and you're never going to stop thinking oh, every, about it. Oh, every, every thought in I your think, mind. Yeah. Exactly. I think though the interesting thing about all of this too is that, you know, we're living in, a, in such a globalized tech-heavy tech kind of um, society now and it's like even with this thought about establishing fixed times for daily study of Torah for example 
It's like also reminding ourselves that even when life gets busy, when we have work, we have so many different distractions in our day or things that we have going on. It's like still taking time to connect to yourself and your roots and um, who you are as a person. And if that's, you know, like we had the conversation earlier saying the Shema or like even just, you know, whatever it is that we still like find time to go back to our happiness, which for, you know, Jews is the Torah. So yeah, finding that time to connect with your the Torah is basically the, the blueprint of who we are as in our identity. So that's why if. You know, if you want to know who you are or you want to connect to your true self, you have to learn Torah. I mean, that doesn't mean that as soon as you open the Torah, you're going to right away feel it. But that's, the, that's where it is. You know, some, one, one person came to the Rebbe after traveling, um, after traveling uh, around and, and searching for God. He went to, to India and he went to all this. Uh, um, and he... he, he, he he not, not tasted, but he tried all different religions and and, and all different um, sample. Sample, yeah. He <laughs> just wanted to find the real the real deal. He, he wasn't enough with the with the traditional the, the, the family the, the traditional house he grew up with. And he went all around. He didn't find anything. Nothing that fulfilled him. So he he met the rabbi and he told the rabbi, "Where where is God?" So he said, "God, God is everywhere." He says, "Look, where is God?" He said, "Everywhere, here, there." And he asked again, where is God? So Ruby said, he pointed to his heart. He's like, mm-hmm. there is God. Meaning, God is not something that, like happiness in this context, in this context that we find somewhere else. And, and there God is, and I need to search for him. God is something that comes from an inner, from our, from our it's an inner emo, emotion, it's not even an emotion, it's an inner realization that unless we identify with it, we could always think that, us and God is two different things when ultimately everything is intertwined and everything is part of the same. The, yeah. the means is the end. I think. A, lot of the, a lot of the things that we think will gain us happiness will get them by being happy. You want a relationship, you want more friends, you want better work, you want... Mm-hmm. It's like, to be happy. It's like getting those things, yeah. it'll help you get those things if you're happy. So it's like the means in the end kind of get like... Right. And the way I connect that to Judaism, at least, is that, you know, maybe when life gets crazy, I'm not doing, uh, I'm not reading this prayer or chant, like saying this prayer or doing whatever. But even if I did a mitzvah that day or I committed, a, you know, some mitzvot, maybe that like gave me that happiness to connect for that moment, even just to remind me of, oh, I did something really, really good. And, you know, that was maybe my little spark of happiness in that moment. Yeah, it, it, that's that's yeah, that's what we're reading now. Text 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read. This is... Look, this is part of the same... We're going to skip text 10. We just read it um, from the outside. We're going to do the last uh, section of the, of, the, of, the, of the lesson, and that is text 11. We're going to skip uh, page 64 as well. And that is that at the end of the day, when it comes to worries about the future, as much as we could have tactics of talk it over or, um, or cast it away, whatever meaning, the best way how to deal with, um, with future worries is about trusting in God. We said that a uh, uh, neurotic is someone who, what's the definition? I wrote it down. Who worries about things in the past that never happened. 
unlike regular people who are worried about things that would never happen in the future. <laughs> Funny. Meaning, it was not my line. It was part of, the, part of the course. But the point is that we have a lot of worries. Most of the worries don't come to fruition. They're not real worries, they're just in our mind. And, and by trusting in God or trusting that there is a purpose, again, if there is a purpose in everything, if there is, um, not if, but since the Torah is saying that there's a purpose in everything, that everything has to be purposeful. So everything that will happen is also for a purpose. Everything that will happen, there is a way that is going to fold out. And it's our, um, it's our, and our choice to, be, to believe in God. There is a, once a person who, who was uh, on, a, on a mountain bike trail and, and he like fell off and it was a, hanging off from the cliff, it was about to fall. And so he starts screaming, help, help, help. No one answers. Help, help. Suddenly the sky opens up, the sun is shining, and a voice from heaven says, I'm God, let go and you'll be safe. And he thinks for a second and he's like, anyone else up there? <laughs> That's a I want to talk to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> Hair and haircut and all. The point oh is God. that the future when we trust in God, yeah, that's not the, the difference between belief and trusting is that uh, it says that the thief, before he goes to, to rob, he prays to God because he believes in God. Yeah? Even though he's counterproductive what he's doing because if he believes in God, why is he praying to God? Why is he stealing if he believes in God? But he, he believes. It's not something that it's internalized. It's not something that he could feel. It's something feel. he believes in. Right? As, as you believe in, you know, that you believe in, in many things. Climate, is, climate change a, is happening. As opposed to trusting? Is that what you're... As opposed to trusting. Right? Uh, it's like the guy on, the guy who was like, I think it was like he was on the ship and they capsized and then, so there was a boat that came along and said, no, that's fine, God will save me. And then the boat goes, okay, and they leave. Another boat comes along and said, no, it's fine, God will save me. And multiple <laughs> times the other, and then eventually, eventually he drowns and goes to heaven and he's like, hell God <laughs> he's like I sent you like four <laughs> <laughs> like, come on right so as much as we trust in God we have to act as well you know exactly. we cannot we cannot just uh, leave it up to God and if he's sending a boat act on it no you don't believe me <laughs> okay so we're going to go to text 11 the benefit of the benefits of trusting God includes tranquility of the heart in the face of worldly worries, the one who has trust finds quiet security and serenity with this world. As it is written, bless the man who trusts in God. God will be his reassurance. And it says he will be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by a brook. And uh, there is in the text 12, it's a very interesting uh, experiment done that people who were dealing with stress... There were three groups that divided it into people who had all day um, um, meaningful and, 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 and you know, uh, stories about one, one group was for that few weeks, for six to eight weeks, all day was about trusting in God and stories about how Hashem takes care of things and things that happen and testimonials. Another group was a, a physical relaxation. They like massage people and, you know, and. And, and make sure that the, the body wasn't stressed anymore. Yeah. And then there was the third group that just waited. And uh, according to this research of Dr. Rosemarin, Rosemarin, he said that the group that had spiritual integrated treatment was the one that saw the most benefit on reducing stress. So we don't have to believe in God in order to reduce stress. 
but that's one of the benefits of but living. Yeah, massages in that I moment. mean, have you had like yeah, experiment? Really no. good massage when you're really stressed because I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it, it has, has to be six to eight I weeks. Get, I get, I get what it. Yeah, it has to be a six to eight week <laughs> massage. Yeah, I can deal with that. I Great. would say no. I work from funny. home. I can get things. Takeaway done. points from this lesson. <laughs> Three takeaway points. Number one. Everything that happens is for a reason. It's our challenge to know what what our, what is it? What's the reason? It's our to make the best out of each situation that's supposed to happen. Yes. Number two is that we learned about um, we learned about Purpose. being a primi, mm-hmm. being someone who's inward, to be able to focus on one thing. If you have a lot of things to do, there's a there's a there's a saying in Yiddish: How do you eat a cow? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. But that's only if you're able to eat one bite at a time. You know, same concept. Being able to tackle one thing at a time that is, um, avoids um, the stress that gets in the middle of our default state of being happy. And the third thing that we learned was about third and fourth is about, you know? No. Trust versus belief. That was, a, that was the last last, but we learned about, oh, um, if someone is worried, he should either talk it over or he Let should it cast it away, which means fulfill. In other words, ignore the negative thoughts, but doesn't mean just ignore them. It means replace those thoughts with positive ones. So um, I hope we take this to not only to heart, but to practice as well. 